Did you know the Bible teaches that critical thinking is absolutely necessary for all Christians to be able to learn and perform? Well, I welcome you to Creation Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Rillo, the president and founder of Creation Training Initiative. Well, we're bombarded daily with new forms of information. This information might come in the form of making decisions, such as to buy a new computer or a new car. It could be about politics. It could be about religion. It could be about social issues. It could even be about what do we need to know or what is true about creation and evolutionism. Now, all this seems to be endless. We're bombarded with these sales pitches from billboards, from commercials, from pleadings and positions that are thrown at us from business decisions. How can we know the truth? How can we determine what is true and what is not true in all this information we're being bombarded with? Well, this is where critical thinking comes into play. Now, the typical method that we use is to focus on the evidence. When somebody gives us a commercial or talks about evolutionism, we focus on the evidence. But in critical thinking skills, what we're going to do is focus on their words. In other words, we're going to hold them accountable for what they have to say rather than responding to the evidence. So when we're faced with this barrage of opinions, we need to have something called discernment, and that's where the Bible comes in. Discernment will help us determine what is true and what is false. It will help us to know false doctrines that are being brought into our lives or our churches. Let's take a look at what the Bible has to teach about this. And we'll start in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 9, where it states, In this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Now let's go to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, where it states, Test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. That is a wonderful definition of biblical discernment. We are to test all things against God's Word to determine whether it is true or false. Then we have Romans 12, 2, where it states, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect and perfect will of God. So there again, discernment. Then finally, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, we read, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. We have to have critical thinking skills, or what we call discernment, to test what is true and what is false. Now, in this session, we're going to cover four different topics that will help us have discernment. These are called fuzzy words, magic words, red flag words, and we'll take a brief look at logical fallacies. So let's start with fuzzy words. What does that mean? Well, fuzzy words are designed to tell us what happened. And they also tell us when these words are used, your opponent has no observable evidence for their claim. Now, here's some examples of fuzzy words. We believe, we think, must have, could have, might have. My opinion is, we guess, are over millions of years. Those are all examples of fuzzy words or phrases. 
Now let's look at some examples of how these are used in sentences or statements. Number one comes from a high school biology textbook, and it states, RNA was probably the first genetic molecule. Now where's the fuzzy word here? Probably. That means they're not sure about this, and it also means they have no observable evidence to support their claim. Now, this next example comes from a grade 7 life science textbook, and it states, Paleontologists think that Archaeopteryx and today's birds descended from some kind of reptile, possibly from a dinosaur. Now, this whole statement here is nothing more than a big guess. Let's look at the fuzzy words. The first one is think. In other words, they don't know for sure. They're just thinking this is true. The next fuzzy word, some kind of reptile. In other words, they don't even know what kind of reptile this thing came from. And then notice the word possibly. It might not be possible, but it might also be possible. In other words, a big guess, no observable evidence for the claim here. But yet, this was in a life science textbook to help support evolution. Now, here's another one that comes from National Geographic magazine, and it states, All dinosaurs probably evolved from a scurrying bipedal pheasant-sized reptile. Now, notice again, they're not sure. It could be a guess. Notice the fuzzy word here. Probably means they really don't know for sure. It also means, again, they have no observable evidence to support this claim. Are you getting an idea of what's happening in our textbooks to support evolution? Now here's another statement, comes from a high school life science textbook, talking about the origin of life, and it states, the first cells could not have needed oxygen to survive. They probably were heterotrophs that used the chemicals in their surroundings for energy. At some point, some of the cells may have developed the ability to make their own food. Now let's identify the fuzzy words or phrases here. The first one is, could not have needed. Now why is that so fuzzy? Well, this is supposed to have taken place over three and a half billion years ago. How do they know the first cells could not have needed? They weren't there and there's no evidence to support that claim. It is just an opinion. Anybody recognize the next fuzzy word there? Probably. No, they're not even sure about this statement. And then finally, the last fuzzy word, may have developed. They may not have. See, again, the whole thing is just fuzziness, not real science. Now, I want to point out here, there's nothing wrong in science with using these so-called fuzzy words, like we believe, we think, could have, might have, my opinion is. Nothing wrong with using those in science. However, we have to know what they really mean. Now, let's get a little more technical. I want to show you how to read a technical article or a technical paragraph without even having to know the science and still take it apart. Now this next one comes from an astronomy book and it's done by a very good astronomer. And what he's going to do is talk about how galaxies form. And let's see if we can understand this. And it states, imagine that infinitesimal fluctuations in density were present in the early universe. The expansion of the universe must have exerted a stabilizing influence on such irregularities. The expanding universe has the effect of greatly impeding what otherwise might have been catastrophic forces. Nevertheless, the process of growth of fluctuations went on for a very long time. Anybody recognize the first 
fuzzy word here? Imagine. Right. The very first word there, imagine. What does that tell you? This whole paragraph, this whole statement is nothing more than his imagination, not observable science. Then we go down to the next fuzzy words. Must have. Why does they must have? Because he doesn't know. It's just his imagination. They might not do this. And then the next fuzzy words, might have been. And then finally, they went on for a very long time. How does he know? He wasn't there. It's just his best guess. Did you know it all could have been created in a single day, as the Bible tells us, and didn't take a very long time? So again, this is just nothing but fuzzy words and phrases. Now, the last one here on fuzzy words. I call this the greatest fuzzy statement ever made, and it's by Professor Richard Dawkins, a professor of zoology, and it states, it could be that at some earlier time, somewhere in the universe, a civilization evolved, probably by some kind of Darwinian means, probably to a very high level of technology, and designed a form of life that they seeded into perhaps this planet. And I suppose it's possible that you might find evidence for that if you look at the details of biochemistry, molecular biology, you might find a signature of some sort of designer. Now there's more fuzzy words in here than real words in this statement. Let's find the first one. How about could be? It could be. That's his opinion, not science. The next one, at some earlier time, how does he know this? He wasn't there. This is supposed to have taken place a long time ago. Then somewhere in the universe, he doesn't know where, just pointing out somewhere in the universe it might have happened. Then we go to our word probably. It might not even have happened. And then how about some kind of? He's not even sure about any of this, but he's passing it off as science. And then we go to our next occurrence of probably. So we want to underline that one. Now let's go down a little bit further and suppose it's possible. I suppose it's possible. Folks, that's nothing more than a personal opinion, not science. Then we go down to might find. We might not find, but he's saying we might find, so he's not even sure about any of this. Then we go down to the next might find, and then finally, some sort of designer. He's not even sure what kind of designer this is. This is what I call the greatest fuzzy statement ever made. The whole statement is basically meaningless. Just an opinion, no observable science to support anything he has said here. Now, let's go to our next category, magic words. How something happened. Fuzzy words told us what happened. Magic words are supposed to tell us how something happened. Now, here's an example of some magic words. Appeared, emerged, arose, gave rise to, was on the way to becoming, burst onto the scene, evolved itself, was making a transition to. Now, those are what we call magic words. Let's take a look at some examples where these are used. Here is in the news media, the USA Today newspaper. And in an article, Why Did Bugs Grow Wings to Fly? Here's their statement. Evo Devo, in other words, evolutionary development, 
proposes that genes involved in cobbling together flesh and bone during early growth were repurposed to develop new structures through evolution's history by combining their functions in new ways. Well, we start with a fuzzy word called proposes. Evolution development proposes? I didn't know evolution development had any intelligence to propose anything. But here's the magic word, repurposed. How does a creature repurpose itself? Let me give you an assignment out there. Tonight, before you go to bed, I want you to repurpose yourself into a new creature. How do you do that? See, this whole statement is nonsense. I want to know how this happened, not just fuzzy words and magic words. Then we have evolution's history. Folks, no one observed evolution's history. So, proposes means this is not a fact. Repurpose, what does that mean? And how does a creature repurpose itself? And again, evolution's history is not observed. So there's nothing observable to support this claim. Now here's another one with magic words. This comes from a dinosaur book, book about dinosaurs. And it states, into this world came the dinosaurs, initially small bipedal carnivores, and they rose to dominance at some point during the Triassic. Now what does this mean? Into this world came? I want to know how they came into this world. And they arose. How did that happen? In other words, they're not giving us any of the details in here how this is supposed to happen. In other words, wave a magic wand and it happened. Or throw billions of years at it, as they point out in the last part during the early Triassic, billions and millions of years ago. They're trying to bury their evidence in millions of years. No one was there to see that. And no one has ever observed millions of years. So again, no observable evidence to support this kind of claim. Now here's another one. This comes from the American Museum of Natural History. And it's an article entitled, How Does Natural Selection Work? And it reads, Natural selection is a mechanism by which populations adapt and evolve. In its essence, it is a simple statement about rates of reproduction and mortality. Those individual organisms who happen to be best suited to the environment survive and reproduce most successfully, producing many similar well-adapted descendants. Folks, all this statement claims is that creatures that are better suited to their environment will survive better. It has absolutely nothing to say about Darwinian evolution. You see, evolution, Darwinian evolution is how one creature changes into another. Natural selection has nothing to do with that. And also, this article says nothing about natural selection. So I'd like to know what is natural selection and how does it work? It didn't tell me that. See, the magic words in this statement are adapt and evolve. What does that mean? See, I can adapt to high altitude. I can adapt better to cold climate. I can adapt better to hot climate. But I'm not evolving. So this has nothing to do with Darwin evolution. It's just a statement of opinion. Now let's go to our third category. First one was fuzzy words. Second one was magic words. Now let's do red flag words. When you hear red flag words, it's send a red flag up in you. A warning. Something is not right or is misleading about the statement. Let's take a look at what these words are. The first category are words all, everybody, and no real scientist. These words express what we call an absolute. When anybody says all, that should send a red flag up. How do they know all? The next category, 
I believe, I think, or the word truth. These all express a personal opinion, not necessarily fact. Then the third category, fundamentalist or intolerant. Those are all used to label an opponent. So those are examples of red flag words. In other words, what we're trying to learn to do is listen to the words used and hold the person accountable for these words. Let's take a look at some examples of where red flag words are used. The statement, I believe people should decide for themselves what is right or wrong. Well, the word I believe, that expresses an opinion, not a fact. Also, this statement contradicts itself because itself expresses a truth. So this statement is nothing more than an opinion and contradicts itself. The next statement, why are Christians so intolerant of other views? Now this is labeling. This is an example of labeling Christians as intolerant. It also contradicts itself. This statement is contradictory because it also expresses an intolerance to somebody's other, other view that does not agree with you. So again, labeling and self-contradictory. How about this one? I couldn't become a Christian because they're all hypocrites. Well, again, that's an example of what? Expressing an opinion. The word I couldn't, I couldn't, that's an opinion. It also expresses an absolute where it says all, the word all, and then it uses labeling, calls us a name, hypocrites. Now, let's go to the final step here. Let's add something in there called logical fallacies. Make it a little harder now. Let's take some examples here. And I'm not going to go into logical fallacies in any great detail. I just want to add them in here. See if we can recognize some. Here's our first statement. If you don't believe in evolution, then you're pretty much anti-science. Well, this is the logical fallacy ad hominem, which means we're attacking the person rather than the argument. Or it's also called name-calling. That's quite often used in evolution debates here. And we could also call it labeling, the red flag. We're labeling a person, all Christians, as anti-science. We also need to define what we mean by evolution. See, when somebody makes this statement, you need to hold them accountable. What do you mean by evolution? Also, it is a personal opinion. So four problems here. The logical fallacy ad hominem, which is also labeling, a red flag. Also need to define the word evolution, and it's a personal opinion. Let's take a look at another one. If you believe in creation, then you must also believe in a flat earth. Well, this is very similar to the one we just had. Number one, it's an ad hominem logical fallacy. Rather than going after the argument, we're attacking the person, the people who believe in creation. It's also labeling, calling us flat earthers. And it's also a personal opinion. Now, let's get a little longer here. Let's try another one, a little more involved. All Christians who believe in a literal six-day creation are just fundamentalists who are anti-science. Now, this is the logical fallacy we call a sweeping generalization. The word all Christians. They're saying we all like that. In other words, have they talked to all Christians who believe in six-day creation? It's also the logical fallacy ad hominem the word they're calling us anti-science, so it is name-calling. 
The red flag, has the person again talked to all creations? In other words, it's expressing an absolute. How do they know all six-day creations this way? And it's also labeling, calling us fundamentalist. Now, let's go to another one. This comes from a professor of biological sciences at Stanford University, and he states, American neoconservatives promote creationism because, as their own statements reveal, they apparently fear an educated population and see the theory of evolution as a threat. Now, this is the logical fallacy called straw man. They misrepresent their opponent. And it's also an appeal to emotion, trying to stir up people by expressing certain absolutes. It's also, we need to define our terms. What do they mean by neoconservative or new conservatives? What do they mean by that? And then also, what do they mean by educated population here? Are they saying educated populations, people that only believe like they do? That sounds like a big personal opinion there, folks. So again, that statement is nonsense because one, they haven't defined their terms and it's nothing more than a personal opinion. Now let's go to one by one of our uh, former uh, TV people there, Oprah Winfrey. What does she have to say? And again, Oprah Winfrey is one of our modern new age speakers. And she states, one of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe that there is only one way Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to what you call God. There couldn't possibly be only one way. Now, let's analyze this. Who said this is a big mistake? That sounds like that's Oprah Winfrey's personal opinion. And she's putting herself in a position of authority on the matter, which leads to a logical fallacy of appealing to authority, and the only authority she's appealing to is her own. And she's also appealing in here to the Christian God, the God of the Bible, but ignores what the Bible actually teaches. Is she also aware of the contradictions between the Bible and other religions? So it's basically a, a logical fallacy of appealing to ignorance. And this time it turns out to be her own. Now, two more. Two more. How about this one? I, for one, would rather believe in the observable, proven, and settled scientific evidence concerning the origins and obvious evolution of life than in some magic man in the sky as you Christians do. Well, this is the logical fallacy of straw man, misrepresenting our, the opponent. Christians don't believe in a magic man in the sky. It's also an appeal to emotion, persuade people by stirring up emotions. In other words, it's just a personal opinion. Now, I'd also like to know, what is his definition of science or scientific evidence here? He hasn't clearly stated that. And it's also labeling, labeling Christians as anti-science. Well, actually, it turns out Christians are not the ones that are anti-science. We're the ones that want all the scientific evidence given it, taught in the schools. It is the evolutionists that do not want the science in the schools. And let's do the last one here, a short one. There are no absolutes. Now, how do we look at that one? Well, first of all, it is a universal negative, and those are hard to prove. And in order to prove this, that there are no absolutes, you would have to know everything there is to know to prove this. So in other words, it's really a very arrogant statement by the person giving it. They're claiming they know everything. 
And it's also the logical fallacy of self-exemption. There are no absolutes except for their statement because their statement alone is an absolute statement. Now, we've just seen how you can take apart statements that we don't have to know anything about the scientist. In other words, we've just seen how we can be critical thinkers or do biblical discernment. We can focus on the words that are used rather than just looking at all the evidence. Now, I'd like to finish with two final statements. First one comes from Proverbs chapter 14, verse 15, and it states, The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. In other words, let's not be simple, let's be prudent and be discerners of God's Word and discerners of all that information we're being bombarded with. And the second statement also comes from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 2 through 7, and it reads, To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equality, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and enigma, the words of the wise and the riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. These words came from our Creator God. They instruct us, number one, to seek God's wisdom, two, to be discerning, and three, to be critical thinkers. Then how can we learn to do this? How can we learn to be critical thinkers? Well, at Creation Training Initiative, we have courses that will help you with this. We have a one-day advanced creation apologetics course. We'll help you to do the critical thinking and be able to analyze statements like we've done in here. We also have a five-day Creation Apologetics Teachers College. You might want to plan to, to attend that, or someone in your church plan to attend our five-day Creation Apologetics Teachers College. How can you find out more about these courses? Number one, you can go to our website, creationtraining.org, or you can email us, info at creationtraining.org. That's info at creationtraining.org. Thank you, and God bless you. If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website, creationtraining.org. Again, that's creationtraining.org. Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month, or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's word as it states in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear.